I rate this fucking guy. Hey, hey, buddy. Buddy, yeah, big guy, down in front. Fucking excuse me? What the fuck was that? Down in front, dude. Come on, get down. I paid for my ticket just like you paid for yours. Get down, we're just trying to watch the movie. Don't you fucking shush me. Are you out of your fucking mind? I'll come down there and kick your ass. Well, that's fucking it, dude. Come here. Son of a bitch, this motherfucker. Yeah, dude, I'm talking to you. Get the fuck down. We're trying to what? What is this? Is that a fucking hockey mask? What the fuck is wrong with you? Fucking weirdos. Fucking matinees, man. Every fucking time. <laughs> is that a fucking machete? Seriously, you get that from your mom's kitchen? Whoa, shit. <laughs> little, little touchy about the mom, huh? You don't swing no fucking machete at me. Shit, man. I ain't gonna fucking take this shit. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, fuck this, fuck these fucking movies, fuck that, we're gonna do some creepy shit, fuck this, goodbye. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine, shrieking skull will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech, you'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these Sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize. I don't think we should. A spooky, scary skeleton shouts startling, shrilly screams. They'll sneak on girls or couple girls and just won't leave you be. My random satisfactions. Hello and welcome to Spooky Time. It's Spooky Time again. All of October, we are doing spooky stuff. Um, we're we're uh, we're actually we're gonna we're gonna go into a couple of creepy pasta stories. Things that kind of stood out to me. Again, same thing. Uh, I had a couple of stories lined up from uh, listeners, from people that wanted to um, have their their stories set on air, and. Um, I decided to not go through with those this week because I want to do like the, the last bit of October. Uh, I want to put y'all stories in as like a whole episode. Um, I, so that's going to be like the, the, the very end of October when we get closer to Halloween. I just think that the, the spooky stories that come from y'all are they're fucking incredible. They are really good. I feel for y'all like big time when it comes to these things uh and the fact that they happen to y'all so uh it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a it's whole episode it's whole thing dedicated you guys are gonna have a whole shout out episode uh dedicated to you so uh this week again going into creepy pasta stories um and uh actually a week after that we are going to do um a little bit of harry potter stuff we're gonna kind of lighten it up a little bit um 
I have been getting some uh, emails back from people that are saying that uh, the uh, the spooky stories uh, were a little spooky and there were no true disclaimers in front. Uh, only uh, it's spooky time, you son of a bitch. So uh, apparently that's not a, enough of a disclaimer. Um, I will give you a disclaimer right now. Uh, random satisfaction is for people that are boss and awesome and people that really like to listen to cool shit and people that don't care about cussing and don't get all bitchy about it. Uh, also, if you guys get a little bit scared and freaked out, uh, then you don't have to listen to this. You can go back and listen to some of the older podcasts. And of course, after October, when we get into November, uh, we're going to have some stuff that's more uh, geared towards uh, happy, fun, you know, laughter and stuff. But for right now, the people that are listening to this are ready to be spooked up. So it's time for I Picked Up a Faceless Hitchhiker. Normally, I don't pick up hitchhikers. You know, by a rule, I think it's not worth the risk. When, you know, if someone truly needs a ride, they can call an Uber or a Lyft or something like that, you know, and be off in like 10 minutes. However, while on a quick snack run last month, I made the mistake of breaking my rule when I approached a young woman who was walking alone in the pouring rain. At first, I, I fully intended to drive by as, you know, I would with any other person. I wasn't just going to pick her up, but... She must have noticed me driving up because right as I came up on her, she spun around, nearly jumped in front of my car, and frantically waved her arms for me to stop. As I screeched to a halt, she ran up to my driver's side window and started a tangent. I mean, just this story about how her phone died and how she was still six miles away from her house. Her face was obstructed by a mask, oversized hat, and dark glasses, so I couldn't glean any semblance of sincerity from her facial expressions, but I could hear the desperation in her voice. Dumb of a decision as it was, I, I didn't feel right letting her walk home in the rain without a phone when she was clearly begging for help. This is on top of the fact that I didn't exactly have anywhere else to be at 1am. I opened the door and almost as soon as she entered the car, she asked for me to go straight. As I drove, I tried to make conversation with the stranger, but... I never could get any actual responses. The only reply I would receive is, I'd like to go home. Please help me get home. Eventually, I just gave up entirely on talking. After around 10 minutes of driving straight, I asked if I was supposed to be turning anywhere, but it was met with silence. I turned towards the woman for a brief moment to repeat my question, but instead slammed on the brakes when I laid eyes on her. All of the items covering her face had been removed to reveal a completely smooth surface. The only hint at some approximation of a face was a slight rise and fall of veiny skin where her mouth would have been, almost as if it was imitating breathing. Instinctively, I put the car in the park and moved to run out, but before I could even touch the handle, a large hand clamped around my arm and held me in place. I was close to having a full-blown panic attack, but she raised a gnarled finger to her non-existent lips and made a quiet shh sound. When she spoke, her voice had taken on a much more gravely tone and the pressure from her vice grip forced me to take every word with the utmost respect. You will not leave, she stated. You must drive. You no longer have a choice. When she released her grip, I didn't say a word. I didn't even want to comment on the apparent bruising on my arm for fear she'd do much worse if I complained. I simply exhaled. 
put the car into drive and kept going. We must have driven for another half hour. She occasionally tell me to take a turn here or there. Still, after about 15 minutes, I knew we were headed towards more and more of the rural parts of the county, an area where people were known to go missing. With every glance in her direction, I could see her featureless face. It was trained on me. It was as if she was observing me, not entirely sure of whether or not she could trust or I'd take her wherever she wanted to go. As soon as that trust was broken, it would be very quickly over for me. Eventually, she instructed me to pull up to a lone, run-down house just off the highway. The windows were boarded up, and I could see piles of trash strewn about the exterior. When we stopped in front of it, she told me to get out. An unconscious shake of my head prompted her to slam her giant fish into the dashboard, cracking the plastic. Without argument, I walked out into the cold night. She followed behind and pointed at the house. In silence, we walked into the decaying building where we were immediately met with a groan. I shined my phone's flashlight towards and saw what appeared to be a homeless man writhing around on the ground in pain. He was foaming at the mouth and his eyes were bloodshot. I gasped and took a step back. I stepped onto some glass which alerted him to our presence. He turned to me and begged for help. He begged for me to call an ambulance or at least take a message to his kids. He began rambling on about how he'd make a, made a colossal mistake. And unfortunately, he... He never got to finish what he was saying. The woman pounced. In the blink of an eye, she was on top of him. Her hand contorted into a claw that wrapped entirely around his face. Thirteen grotesquely long fingers held his head down as he struggled against her ungodly strength. He tried to fight back, but the weak man's struggles were met with even more force. The creature upon him was determined to lap up every last breath, and I swore I could hear a twisted chuckle as it watched him cling to life. The screams seemed like they went on forever, but in reality it was quick. Maybe 30 seconds had passed, and he was gone. When she retracted from the body, a quick shine of my phone's light revealed a broken jaw, twisted nose, and deep bruising around his neck. The woman faced away from me for a moment. We both just stood there in that horrible place. I tried to find my voice. I wanted nothing more than the strength to tell her that all I wanted was to go home and pretend like that night was all a nightmare. But I didn't have to. Reminiscent of the way she turned to me in that dark, rainy road, she spun around and revealed not just a large smile, but a brand new face. One that greatly resembled that of the man that she had just taken from this world. Her parting words to me with this voice, in his voice. Thank you very much. Never return here. And with that, she simply walked further into the decaying structure. As soon as she was out of sight, I sprinted back to my car and I sped all the way home. That night, I must have quadruple-checked all the locks, taped the curtains down, and left a pile of makeshift weapons by my bed. Every single dream I had for the next month consisted not of just visions of her, but of many more creatures just like her. And honestly, despite it all, I still never wanted to tell anyone... I want nothing less than to be another random guy throwing a story at the sea of tall tales. 
I knew that anyone I told this to would just roll their eyes and tell me that the, I'm being ridiculous or that I needed to be drug tested. I'd rather just avoid the scrutiny entirely. But just last week, a man was found dead in his home, clearly suffocated, jaw and nose broken. No tips have led to anything significant. The police only hint at a crappy video of some young man who was described as appearing featureless being dropped off near the home. Funnily enough, just last night I saw a post on one of those community apps saying that someone in the area thought they saw the murdered man walking the streets. Turned out to just be a young man who looked remarkably similar to him, but after hearing that story, I think I feel a little less crazy going, into pub or going to the public with this. To the man I enabled the death of, I am so sorry. I thought I was doing something good, and as a result, it ended in tragedy. I'll never forgive myself for that. Never. I don't know what you were going through, but you deserve so much better. And to the world at large, if you're ever in a situation where someone is trying to hitchhike with you, please keep driving. Fucking yes. All right, dude. That is credit creepypasta to Brian A. Young. Great fucking story, my dude. That was fantastic. Fucking short but sweet, man. Spooky Uki. I can tell you right now, if I roll up on somebody um, and they're hitchhiking at 1 a.m. and they're wearing fucking sunglasses, nope. No, 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 no. And even the mask. Sorry. Like, I know we're in weird times, but you know, if it's pouring ass rain, you're wearing a mask on the fucking side of the highway hitchhiking. Like, come on. Sunglasses. Fuck you. Anyway. Fucking creepy as all hell. That's fantastic. Yeah. Great story though. Really fucking great story. Blah. The faceless hitchhiker. Mm. All right. On to our next story. This is a good one. Uh, again, jumped out at me. I wouldn't be posting it up if it wasn't. Um, but this one is titled The Hayloft. I like morning best in the summer. Chet don't. Because he's 15 and he likes to sleep. But I'd rather make my own breakfast. Get chores done quick. Enjoy the rest of the day. If mama gives me a choice. Let Chet take the afternoon. He thinks he's winning, but he ain't. Molly moves a lot during late milking. Sheep and horses need rounding up. It's harder and dang hotter and more flies, and that is a fact. Sun's not close to being up, but the air is cool and fresh, not too wet, and the sweet scent of lilacs fills the barn when I prop them big doors open. I breathe deep. <sighs> Molly kicks her leg back, swishes her tail as I shift the stool and nudge the bucket back. I gave her a smooth tan flank pad whoa there girl and go back to milking I got a weird feeling look for Roscoe out the doors and he ain't there dumb dog there's a flicker in a floodlight circle outside I gasp feeling off sometimes I spot a luna moth in the light all glowy green and big they don't stay long too smart bats chasing but I ain't never seen a bat catch a luna moth I might like that I think maybe I hear a noise come from the hayloft above Molly moves high pitch like shakes her head jingling a bell I got goosebumps 
She don't ever do that. My eyes shoot up in another creek. Something with weight by the hay door. I can't see nothing through them slats. I mean, could be rats nesting, maybe. I smell something too. Something foul mixing with them lilacs. The hayloft is a sanctuary, Mama says, in a strong light of day. I like reading up there, propped up on a bale near the hay door in the afternoon when the breeze is light and I can see all the way down to the lake. But now, since Daddy, odd, no rooster crowing. It's about time, isn't it? Molly didn't answer. There's another flicker, shadow in the floodlight circle like something peeked out the dang hay door above. I squeeze the teat too hard, eyes on the circle of light, waiting, thinking about what's up there, but that weird smell. About no rooster. I suck in a hard breath, cough a little. Molly stomps her hind leg hard. I flinch, milk sloshes out half a bucket side splashes on my rubber boot i shake my head if he were here daddy would say if you ain't thinking about what you're doing then you ain't doing what you're thinking about i smirk go back to milking in a lamplight meant for baby chicks ain't no eggs hatching right now nowhere so i prop that light to where it need to be daddy always said it was i was the best milker didn't need no light the baby chick's lamp is warm and not too bright. Chet don't care enough. That's why I'm better. Molly moves again. My ears perk. It's peaceful most mornings. Less them chickens get a rat in the coop or something. Overheads are so bright and I hate flipping that giant switch outside. It takes two hands and it makes a sizzling noise. No thank you. No sense in waking the whole barn, riling up daddy's old hound, Roscoe. God, he must be as old as Chet. All wiry and gray fur. Felt like it was petting a bristle brush the few times he let me do it. Dog never did warm to me, even when daddy was alive, but used to wag his tail at least. Now he just kind of follows me, watching, looking all mean all the time. Sometimes he barks at nothing. I think his hearing's gone bad, or maybe just plain Mrs. Daddy. But I got used to him. Funny, him not here, not now, growling at the wall. Overheads do no good in the hayloft, only daylight. I don't want to in the dark, but soon I got to take my boots off, climb up that old rickety ladder, and toss down three bales for the horses. It's too quiet. I notice not even... A whinny from Taffy. I think about the shadow again and what they're... Maybe there's a raccoon up there or a possum? They can be awful mean. Where is that Roscoe? Daddy always hated that loft in the dark, too. Strange how Chet found him up there. His face. Doc said it was a heart attack. Chet weren't himself, crying and all. Told me Daddy looked scared. Thought he was still alive, the look on his face. I can't never picture it. Daddy's scared? Suits me just fine that I can't. Two years he's been gone now. We weren't never close. No use for girls, he'd say. 
but he'd wink when he said it. He liked that I weren't no whiner. Even when Molly stomped my foot, broke my little toe, I weren't mad. Was Roscoe spooked her and barking? Sometimes I like Molly better than Sarah from school. Talk to her more too. That's a fact. Them heavy creaks above sounded me like footsteps shuffling. Molly turns her head back to me, glaring with a big saucer eye. I think she can sense my fear. Rita. Something whispers from the hayloft. I don't breathe. Can't be. I think it sounds like daddy. No breeze to rustle the hay. Horses are quiet. I stop milking. Pat Molly's flank again. Press up to her side. Her eyes up to that old stool real slow. Linger a moment. I feel safe there. Nuzzle in her soft side. Start breathing again. Till I hear it. Rita. It moans louder than before. I think Chet playing a trick on me, but he ain't funny. Not never. I wish Roscoe was watching me, looking mean, growling at the wall. I close my eyes. Promise to be nicer to that dang hound if he just appears right now. I open him wide, but no Roscoe. I force my feet to move towards the pump sink. Rita. It repeats, sending chills all through me. Sounded so much like Daddy. There's a flashlight on the hook. I feel around. I find it. Click it on. It flickers like that shadow did. I tap it on my palm till it shines bright. Let out a long breath. And then go check the horse stalls first. Taffy likes a handful of sweet grain in the morning. Never missed. Strange, her not neighing. I don't hear no crickets neither. That quiet is raising them hairs on the back of my neck run all the way down my arms. I stand on my tiptoes, point that light over, and hold my breath again. Ain't no horse there. Looks like Taffy done kicked her stall open. Latch is busted. She must be far in the field if I can't hear her whining. I breathe out. Think. How'd she get past the gate? Chet could have left it open, I suppose. He, he gets lazy towards supper time. Rita... It calls from above. I pay no mind, thinking it can't be real. I check the next stall. Traveler's done the same dang thing. Now Traveler could have jumped that gate in a flash. That's how he got his name. Galloping all the way into town before Daddy caught him. I need to get Chet, I think, but... Point the light through the stall to the wide open pen beyond. See if Taffy and Traveler are out near them sheep. Two dozen beady eyes stare back at me. No horses. A few sheep bod. The light didn't go past them. The flashlight goes out. I, I shake it. It comes back, but weak, shining on. Blood spread all over that mucky third stall floor. Open from the outside. It looks. And like something were dragged through the hay. Out round the corner. Cattle Jack. I whisper. Rita. It's calling me still. I'm trying to ignore that whispery voice. Like them stories Daddy told me of Huggawoogas to scare me, I think. So I wouldn't run off to visit Sarah in town, two and a quarter miles away. Them dark miles with no street lamps. But I wasn't scared. Not really. Only once. I was nine. 
right before Daddy died. He caught me halfway pulling up that old truck well after eight. And boy, was he mad. I was glad to see him, though. It was real dark. He told me about them hugga-wuggas on the way. I giggled and got quiet. Daddy looked real serious at me. I know there's one living on the other side of the lake, he said. Ain't never caught but shadows and whispers, but I know. You best be careful. Them is tricksters. Chief, you remember sold me Kettle Jack? I nodded. He seen's one. Scared him silly, and he's the toughest man I've ever known. Toughest man in these parts, anyway. Besides your daddy. Don't you go walking past dark. Not ever. He said the lake hooga kept to itself lest it got too hungry. I remember that. Did daddy say he left a sheep or two in the winter by Wood's Edge? Or maybe that dang hooga just took him. I can't recall. Shuffling's almost right above my head near the cutout in the loft to push bales through and that foul odor's getting worse. Rita! It cries, sounding an awful lot like Daddy. I point the flashlight at the rectangle hole, feeling brave for a second. It flickers and goes out. But not before I glimpse what looks like. It can't be. My Daddy hunched over that hay hole. I freeze. Drop the light and find it hard to breathe. I shut my eyes real tight. Did Daddy say Hugga Woogas would change shape? Maybe that one's up there now. Maybe, maybe it weren't no story. Rita! It calls won't quit. I stumble back, kick the flashlight. Dang boots! Open up my eyes and pick it up and shake it. The flashlight's out for good. I back up to the pump sink. I feel the wall in the dark. With a shotgun wedged in that spot. But no one ever touched it, lest need be. Loaded is how Daddy kept it. Can't shoot nothing with an empty gun, he'd say. I brushed my fingers against the cold metal, thinking back to if Chet fired it since Daddy died. Rita. It calls from above. I wipe my hand, gone all sweaty on my jeans, as quiet as I can. Pull the old shotgun from the wall, run my hand along the rib, the barrel. It's heavy, but I lift it till my fingers flick the safety off. With me shaking so bad, I need to keep that shotgun close. Rita! It pleads like it needs me. I hug Daddy's shotgun to my body, cold barrel pressed to my cheek. Only one shell, one shot. I look at the door. Roscoe. I whisper. And wait a tick, but it ain't nothing but the light circle in the dark all around. I bite my lip, swallow hard. Hope that that weren't Roscoe's blood and Kettle Jack's stall. Hope it weren't Kettle Jack's neither. Molly's mooing something awful. I tiptoe back near, hard in them dang rubber boots, hugging Daddy's shotgun. To run, hand along her side, give her a pat. She kicks her leg back. Shuffles her hind away like she don't want me to touch her. I must be oozing fear, I think. I glance out them open doors to the circle of light, praying for that old dog to waddle in and watch me. It's gray outside. Still moonlit, but it's getting louder. Rita! It wails louder than Molly's mooing. Could make a run for the house, but Molly... 
and it's still dark. What if there is a hugga-wugga out there? In my mind, I see Daddy shaking his head. I toughen up. I ain't no wiener. I walk close to the hole, take a deep breath. Rita! Rita! It calls out so loud it hurts my ears and my eyes are watering from that nasty smell. I do it quick. Aim the shotgun up that hole at the shadow and pull the trigger like he taught me. Bam! It kicks me back, but I don't fall. Just hit Taffy's door. I hear the milk bucket spill something, shuffles above, and then staggers through that old hay hole. Hits the ground hard in front of me. My heart's beating so fast in the gray light. That shape curled up too close to my feet. It looks like a man. They're not. I don't move an inch. Press harder to Taffy's door. Breakfast climbing back up my throat. I can hear shallow breathing. For a minute or two. Right. And then nothing. Outside past the floodlight circle. A flashlight being zigzags towards the door. Chet is there out of breath. I want to hug him. He's in sleep pants, no shirt, looking real scared. Rita, what in the hell? He asks, his eyes so big. I think that's what Daddy's face must have looked like. Then wish I didn't think of it. Chet aims the beam over to where it fell. To the shape. The light shines on Daddy old hound dog Roscoe lying on his side. Blood oozing from a hole between his ribcage. Deader than dead. And stinking like he done died last week. His fur looks darker, softer. His face looks different too. Bigger teeth, wider eyes, like a like a wolf. Chet don't seem to notice. He pries that shotgun from my tight grip, pats my head. Horses are gone. There's blood in Kettlejack's stall. Was, was scared. I just I just shot, I managed to say, still shaking something awful. Chet runs back out, flips the big switch. God, it's bright. He checks outside the Kettlejack stall. Horses by the road. They're fine. There's a sheep down, mauled awful dead, he says. I let out a long breath. Swallow breakfast back down. Chet reaches way up over the pump sink, fetches another shell to load Daddy's gun. Then he nudges Roscoe's side with the barrel, sees the blood around his mouth, and then big teeth. He hugs me quick. He never did like that dog none. Mama comes in next. Boy, does she look a fright. Rita, baby, what in the... She loses her voice as her eyes fall on Roscoe. She hugs me to her breast so tight. I feel safe here, like with Molly. She whispers, He never did care for that dog much. I did, I say. I'm sorry, but I'm not. Roscoe couldn't have climbed up that rickety ladder. No how. Weren't him I killed. It was a hugga-wugga, and that's a fact. Even if I couldn't ever tell, I know. Molly knows. Just then, Molly moves sweet, like she agrees. I call out, still clinging to Mama. Whoa there, girl. Must have gone mad. Rabies? Maybe? You bit, baby? Mama squeezes tighter, like she's trying to crush the fear out of me. 
I shake my head no. Start to say something and stop. I don't tell Mama or Chet about being in the hayloft or it looking like Daddy or about it calling my name ever. Chet and Mama don't believe in no huggawuggas. They should. I miss my daddy something awful then. Thinking now maybe we was close. That he done saved me by telling me about them huggawuggas before. I squeeze Mama tight, pretend it's daddy, tears leak out. Maybe that lake one killed daddy, scared him to death. Molly moves again. I think about that tipped bucket. I ain't never tipped one before, not ever. Not even when Molly broke my little toe. Daddy always said I was the best milker because I filled that bucket so dang fast. I knew it never were daddy that called out Reader from the hayloft. Since I was six years old, daddy always called me Squirt. Always. Man, what a good story. Son of a bitch. Super, super fucking country. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. I probably read that like absolute horse shit, but oh my gosh, that was so good. What the fuck? That's a good story. Oh my gosh. I cannot find who wrote that. The Hayloft. Whoever that is, whoever did that, whoever wrote that fucking story, oh my gosh. Props to you. Props, please. Oh my gosh. You are an amazing writer. That is so good. I love the country. I love like the, the accent and all this stuff. I can't do one, but like, I, fuck, I love that story. That was so good. Anyway, you guys, this has been Spooky Week. Another Spooky Week uh, that's going to be going on to the end of October. We're going to keep this stuff going. Uh, I have uh, some Harry Potter stuff coming up next week. We're going to kind of lighten it up a little bit. Uh, and then about a week or two after that, we're going to be doing fan email stories. You guys send them in to me, and I will absolutely do that. Uh, if you guys know who wrote that, send me the name of the person who wrote that. I will send them something. I will fucking high-five them. I will do whatever. Uh, I want to be able to, to give them props, uh, at least on the next show. Uh, but again, thank you everybody for our stories. I appreciate you listening to me. Um, and again, tune in next week. We're going to do some, um, some Harry Potter shit. It's going to be really fun. All right. I love you as always. And goodbye.